G'day, welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. I'm Graham Curry, your host from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilos or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and I successfully maintained that weight loss now, coming up two years. I wanted to bring this series of podcasts to you to give you an insight into what it's like to living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. I'm also the author of the book, The Fasting Highway, which is a story of my journey overcoming chronic addiction to fast food and sugar and taking that walk from morbid obesity to normality. So sit back here with us on the Fasting Highway in the next few weeks and listen to some inspiring guests and some experts in the intermittent fasting community. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. G'day. Welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 87. And just before we get to that, I just wanted to let people know that if you're interested in joining the Facebook group, uh, feel free to do so. Uh, We've got nearly 4,000 people in there now from all over the world. We've got some fantastic moderators and some very, very experienced fasters in there that can help you answer your questions you may have and also give you that support that you may be lacking uh, from people around you and you just want to get into a tribe with the same people on the same wavelength about their fasting. So you can do that at the Fasting Highway Facebook group. Uh, also, just to thank you to those that have been buying my book, uh, you can get a copy of that on Amazon and both paperback and Kindle. A uh, story of my own journey, and I go into my intermittent fasting step by step and how I did it and what the process was and what it's like living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. Okay, today's guest is going to be Susan Metz. And Susan is a 46-year-old web developer and digital marketing specialist. And Susan is actually from Stratford in New Zealand and now calls Maryland, United States home, where she's married to her adoring husband. And Susan's had a few trials and tribulations with weight in her life, starting back when she hit puberty. And she sort of got on top of things and then she found intermittent fasting and the rest, as they say, is history. So let's hear the very inspiring Susan Metz. Oh, g'day, Susan, and welcome to the Fasting Highway. And thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honour to join you. Oh, it's an honour to have you here. And um, I think your story's great. And um, being a fellow Kiwi and everything else there, living in the United States, I think you're going to inspire a lot of people. But Susan, if you don't mind just sharing a bit of your backstory and any problems you had with health and weight in your life, and what actually led you to the path of finding intermittent fasting? Sure. I um, was a typical Kiwi girl. I grew up in a very large family. Um, we had seven kids. Uh, I have four brothers and two sisters, and then my parents also had foster children, so large house, lots of mouths to feed. Um, the typical Kiwi diet of three veg, meat, and potatoes every night. Um, so it was just, I was, you know, fine as a child, but as soon as I hit puberty, I started putting the weight on, and through the years, just just couldn't get rid of it, just couldn't drop it. Um, I was, I'm i not really one who sticks to diets. I'm, I don't like being held to something or taking the time to write everything down. Um, I'm too cheap to join any diet that costs money. <laughs> so it would just be things I'd heard over the years that, oh, if you do it this way, if you go low fat, if you, um, I, I think Body for Life, I read that book and, and tried to do that and um, just different things like that to approach it and I just couldn't budge that weight um, even I, I did do one diet that I dropped about 50 pounds and then from that point on it was just bouncing around um, at, at around the 150 to 180 I, around the eight, 68 to 82 kg mark and just always got stuck there <laughs> Um, and then when I was reached my adulthood, I started traveling, got the travel bug, as a lot of Kiwis do, and went overseas. Um, and I always found that when I was not in a routine, I actually could, that's when I would get down to the 68 kgs around that level. Um, but whenever I was working full time, you know, you, you felt the pressure to do the three meals a day, have breakfast before you go to work, have lunch with everyone else. 
And that's when I would put the weight on and I could never figure it out because that's usually when I was eating the healthiest way. It became a struggle. Um, I'm now 46. So, you know, I was I was working through that for a good 30 plus years. I've just been in the overweight category and never having that ideal that I always had in my head that one day I would get to. And so what led you to the path of finding IF? Like how did you actually find out about it? Uh, I moved here to the US and um, met my husband and it was actually his mother-in-law who introduced me to IF and I'd actually come across restricted time um, eating, that intermittent fasting concept before, but it was just suddenly the uh, way she presented it to me that it just clicked. It suddenly went I, I've never been a breakfast eater. I've never been much of a lunch eater. And that's okay. That, that's actually how it's supposed to be. And so I, I got, um, she introduced me to Delay, Don't Deny, Jin's book. And I immediately downloaded on in, into Kindle. And I didn't even finish reading the book. I, like, literally the next day I jumped straight into 24, um, 19.5, um, and never look back. So just for the listeners out there, I know they'd like, like to know the stats. Can you remember when you first started what your weight was? Yeah, when I, um, I'm 5'5", five five, um, 166 centimetres. And so when I first started, um, at my highest weight, I was um, got to about 95 kgs, 210 pounds, way back when. Then I lost that 50 pounds and um when I really got was introduced to intermittent fasting I was around the um 82 mark I was inching back up there again like I said I just met my my um partner who was my boyfriend uh my husband now and I when he does all the cooking and he's an amazing cook and so when you're in a new relationship you don't want to say no 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 I can't have that and so, of course, I was eating all the good stuff that he would bring out and just couldn't get that weight back down again. And then it just happened to be we were all, all the girls at Christmas were sitting around talking and complaining about our weight and my husband and how good a cook he is. And that's when my mother-in-law introduced us. So. And so how long was your mother-in-law following fasting and how did she know about it herself? She, she actually... And was introduced to it through her niece who had lost 20 pounds and introduced her father to it. And um, she hadn't, Cindy hadn't actually started doing it at that point. She was just telling me about this new thing that she'd heard about. Um, so we both started at the same time and I was all on board and so was she. And, and she's looking amazing um, and we've been on this journey together. Um, shortly after that, I introduced my parents in New Zealand, told them about what I was doing. They jumped on board. Um, that they, they've both been fasting ever since. Um, and it's just grown from there. Hell's bells. I better get the whole family on. <laughs> I would like to, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Warm regards to your mother-in-law and also your uh, parents down there in New Zealand. I think that's fantastic. That way of sharing. And it happens like that. Like people see your results. I mean, your transformation photos are jaw dropping. I mean, in time frame now, you've been doing this now some two and a half years, and and you've been maintaining for a while. And what was your actually goal weight when you got to that? What was the? Yeah, I kind of went. Okay, Jen is five five. She said one hundred and thirty. I'm a bit more well endowed. I'm going to go to one thirty five, and that's how I came up with the number. <laughs> um, okay. So my first goal weight, I got to one thirty five last. July, um, just well, actually, sorry, it was May thirty first, just in time for my wedding, and then since then I've dropped about another five pounds. So, yeah, so around sixty one kilos, something like that. Mm. That's fantastic. So, when you first started, what sort of protocol were you doing, and how did you actually choose that? How did you go about actually starting? I jumped straight into the nineteen five twenty four because I knew I didn't want to start eating until after I'd finished work. Um, I knew it was important that once I got past that initial adaption uh, phase that I would um, want that alertness that you get um, 
by the time it got to you know the whole way through work and when I really felt that and understood what that was I've never wanted to let it go so sticking to that has been really easy it's probably why I mean I've considered ADF but then I would have to eat at lunchtime to get the full feast in the next on the, the up day and it just the thought of eating at lunchtime while at work just doesn't appeal to me <laughs> Yeah, so when you were working and you first started, how did you actually get through those struggles? Was there any struggles, like, like seeing everybody around you, snacking all day and eating and all that sort of thing? Was that a, that a problem for you or did you find that okay? Uh, I actually found that, well, I would say the first you know, few months of going to, I would still go to lunch with my friends, um, sit there with my hot water or my tea, black tea, and... Um, we would sit around and at first it was kind of strange for them and for me, but after a while it just became normal and we got used to it and then the pandemic hit. The pandemic hit, yeah, and then you were back at home and lockdown and everything else. Mm -hmm. And how did you find that period? Like, you know, I always take my hat off to anybody that's done this through the pandemic because it's been quite stressful. I mean, there's been a lot of people sick, a lot of people dying, people have got children, family, that sort of thing they're worried sick about, worried about themselves. How did you find that aspect or did you just find that you controlled what you could control? It pretty much came down to intermittent fasting being the one thing I could control because aside from the pandemic and how that impacted my work, um, it was also, you know, I was, I, we, I'd got engaged right before the pandemic. We had to get married and within a certain time frame because in order to keep the immigration process going, then starting the immigration process and dealing with getting paperwork out of government agencies that were closed down and getting through that um, over the last year, you know, the I, intermittent fasting was that one thing I could control. And I knew not only did it keep me going, but it also allowed me um, to, to be more positive about everything that was going on. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Just control what you can control. And, you know, mm -hmm. stress is, you know, quite a, a pressure thing for people out there. And one of the things we all do when we get stressed out or we did do in the past is go straight to the fridge and that sort of thing. And we always find that we eat our emotions and that leads to weight gain and everything else. So I think if you can control something like intermittent fasting in stressful times, that's a really great point. Not one who typically kind of, I'm not a grazer. I'm a, once I've eaten my meal and I'm satisfied, I'm done. So being able to, um, even being working from home and through that whole stressful period, um, again, it was, I, I, I wasn't inclined to go to the kitchen um, because I just kept my mind on work. But I will say um, I had to take a step back through the last year and understand I did, I got down to, I had a, a medical reason for why I dropped a lot lower than what I thought I was going to drop. And then um, once that was resolved, my weight went up and then with the stress and everything else, my weight went up again and I was back to 135, 136. And I just had to have grace and just say to myself, this is stress and that's all it is and it will resolve itself. And um, sure enough, as soon as that was gone, I dropped, within three weeks, I dropped the five, six pounds. Yeah, I love that. Give yourself grace. Great message. Also, with the eating window, um, we talk about the clean fast, obviously. Did you get that message? Obviously, you read the book, Delay Don't Deny, by the New York Times bestselling author, Jim Stevens. So you probably would have got that message of the clean fast. Were you actually doing clean fasting right from the go-get? Absolutely. Absolutely. First day, it was, and I'm not a coffee drinker, so first to begin with, it was water and tea. Um, and then about six months in, I'd been listening to Jen and Melanie on their podcast talking about coffee and autophagy and how good it was and how it helped. So I was like, you know what? My tastes have changed. I think I'm going to try that coffee again I hadn't had coffee in like 20 years and um, I just again had it one day and have coffee every morning now <laughs> black 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And your taste changed. And that is a process of intermittent fasting. I mean, obviously, you're very experienced, two and a half years now. Tell us about your taste changing over a period of time, not only with beverages, but also with food. How did that go for you? Uh, with food, it was we're very, um, like I said, my husband is a good cook, so we cook a lot at home, especially with the pandemic. I mean, I'm still enforced and in, in working from home because we're still in a pandemic phase and with my business. Um, so it was, it's a lot of, of home cooking, even to the point that, you know, I cook our own bread. I'm the baker, he's the chef. So I cook our own bread. I try to eliminate processed food as much as possible. Um, but there was one occasion where I really, really, really just wanted fast food. And I'm not usually a fast food eater. Um, I love home-cooked meals, but I just really missed that fast food. And I went and got it one afternoon and I came home and it just didn't satisfy me. And I could have kept eating if I wanted to because it, and it dawned on me that the, the nutrients that I'd been used to getting and, and the meals that we made at home just weren't there. And so my, my body kept looking for more. Um, so that really brought it home for me how you know, good the food is that we have and just to keep working on that. Yeah, we call it the worthy window, don't we? And the mm -hmm. longer you go with the fasting, the more experience. I mean, a lot of people, when they start, they just they get the uh, image in their heads. They can eat whatever they want. And to a point, you can do that. But you've also got to be mindful that if you eat all the wrong foods, even once a day, you, you might slow your results down. And did you find just by, you know, when you first started intermittent fasting, were you eating all the things then or were you just sort of measuring um, or delaying anything? It was pretty much the same as now as far as like a lot of home cooking. What did change was when I um, got to, it was about, um, I'm trying to think, February, the following year. So I was, I was a slow loser. I was about half a pound a week and I just kept, at, at first it was just, okay, you're not gaining weight anymore. <laughs> this is a good thing. Keep it going. And then slowly it started to drop off. And then I got to a plateau and I was on that plateau for about three months that I couldn't shift. Going wedding dress shopping is a really good motivator. And I knew I needed, if I really wanted to look my best for that day, I needed to make a change. And so I stopped eating any sweets, any baking. I didn't completely cut sugary, like ketchup. I didn't worry about the savory side, but I just didn't need any, any baking. Um, I would make baking for my husband and it was all his. I didn't touch any of it. And it moved after about three weeks, my weight started dropping again. And, and I think I had about 15 pounds to go at that stage. Yeah. One of the interesting things here, you mentioned you're a Kiwi and obviously, as we know, Kiwis love to travel the world and and experience different cultures. And one of the joys of traveling, of course, is different food and that sort of thing. So when you migrated from New Zealand to the United States, did you find a massive difference in the diet and sort of food um, available and that sort of thing? Yes. And my my husband is very much the American chef. And he loves his cheesesteaks and loves his beans and rice and loves his all those really good American foods, only we have them at home. And so you know, tacos, all the all the stuff. And so um, you know, that was part of the problem with with the beginning. And then um over time I, I, you know, there's some good things that came out of it. I never ate beans. I hated beans. And then my parents came for a visit. And somehow, some way, my mother managed to convince me to take a forkful of beans. And my husband can eat beans breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I thought, you know, I really need to introduce more fiber to my diet. We, that was one of the things that I now eat and enjoy. And it's, it's been very helpful. Um, again, one of those things you learn over time with intermittent fasting is really learn to listen to your body and the changes it makes and the things that you add in to keep working towards that healthy path. Because after you've lost the weight, that's what keeps you going. Yeah, I agree 100%. And uh, I've been lucky myself to go to the United States a couple of times and <clears throat> absolutely blew my mind. The, um, the size of the meals and everything in the US compared to 
New Zealand and Australia, and that's the first thing you notice. Like you, you'll go in and you'll say, oh, can I get a milkshake? And they'll bring this milkshake out and it seems like it's like two foot high. And um, then they'll bring it like a spare with the rest of the milkshake that was over or something. And then, or if you get a soft drink or what we call soft drinks, they call them sodas in America. In a restaurant, you just sort of half finish it and they keep coming around and topping it up, topping it up. So you end up drinking about five or six Cokes while you're having your, your meal, you know. And uh, I found that really interesting and um, the correlation was definitely there to see. But I think, you know, it's really interesting how we're all brought up and what we're told and different cultures and all that. And now you're living that in America. Yeah, so that's great. So let's talk about this. You know, we, I mentioned there the struggles before, but sometimes I think people get the wrong message about intermittent fasting. And I want to lean on your experience here. When people say, I can eat whatever I want with intermittent fasting, what do you tell them about that? I kind of direct them in the in the sense that um, your body, you, you need to learn to listen to your body and it will tell you what it wants. But for that to happen, you've, you've, you've got to, when you're talking to people who want to start intermittent fasting, you need to lead them into it. And if you completely shut everything off, they're going to put the barriers up. They need to find their own way. So um, I just give good messages because I, I have a small fasting group that I just started uh, a few months ago. And so I just, you know, keep putting the right messages out there. Um, you know, try to stay away from processed foods, little bits at a time. You know, if you're stuck in a plateau, you need to make tweaks and changes and you know look at what you're eating look at maybe what you are or aren't you having in your fast uh just you know but adjusting it so that they can make their own choices around what they choose to take or put in or not put in yeah i think that's great you just got to do you for you and find your own path and i always say to people look you know when you first start you might eat whatever you want and that's great but over a period of time, you will you know, transition to that worthy window we talk about. And for me, it was if I'm going to eat once a day, then I want to eat the best food I can possibly eat. Mm -hmm. And I always say, instead of saying, I can eat whatever I want, I like to say, I like to eat whatever makes me feel my greatest. And I think that's a great mantra to have as time goes on with an intermittent fasting lifestyle. Because as you know, once you get to your goal weight and that sort of thing, and then you go into that maintenance phase, it's a different type of mindset. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk now about the non-scale victories and the health benefits of intermittent fasting, two and a half years. I guess that list is really growing. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I guess for me, there wasn't a lot of, uh, well, there was one particular real amazing, I thought, um, NSV that I think you can appreciate. Um, I had had from traveling through Europe in my early twenties, I'd had a, um, a nail fungus that I just couldn't get rid of, and I tried everything. I tried laser surgery, the laser over it, all the home things, all the nail polishes, everything, and I could not get rid of it. And my doctor here um, decided to put me on. Uh, tubinafine, which is one of the, um, you have to be careful with it. It's an oral medication and you have to watch your liver enzymes. Um, and there's a very rare side effect, which she uh, refused to acknowledge. But I'm the type of person who, if I'm on a medication, I get the rare side effect. And um, this one is taste distortion. So I couldn't even hot water tasted like the most foul taste and this happened right after I reached my goal weight um, so I couldn't eat anything I was just just I would just eat food just to because I knew my body needed nourishment but I was pushing past the taste of the food just to get it in me um, and that's when I dropped to about 124 pounds and I knew I was too low too fast um, until it, it took about three months for that medication to for that to clear after I stopped taking the medication. Um, it took actually about a year for it to completely clear out of my body. But at least after three months, I could start to actually taste and eat again. And during that time, you know, you're supposed to be on this medication for a year to get the nail fungus to move out of your system. 
But suddenly after about five months, I noticed my toenail was growing through and it's completely gone. And I can only put that down to the fact that my body had actually done most of the healing work itself. It wasn't, it just needed that little last touch to get rid of it. For years, I'd been battling this on one foot and it's gone. And that is definitely something I put down to to intermittent fasting. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the benefits and the healing properties that it has for our body is just amazing. Um, the other thing, I was diagnosed in 2011 with an extremely large fibroid, which was surgically removed. But because of that, and I have other fibroids, um, period pain for my whole life had, had been very painful. Um, that's pretty much gone. I may, if I'm, you know, I may get on the odd occasion uh, a, a little bit the day before, but I used to get two weeks of it. Um, there used to be times in my life where most of my most of the month I was dealing with it. Um, so just having that gone was amazing. But now it's just more about being more in tune with my body, being happy with where I am in my life, being able to look at photos, being able to look at my wedding photos. And love my photos. I, it's, it's, I can look back at photos in the past now and appreciate the woman, the girl I was, but I don't look at my photos now and start picking them apart and going, oh, I wish this, it wasn't, I wish it was like it was in my head. And now it actually is like it is in my head. We're getting there. Yeah, I think that's really great. Really interesting what you said about the photos there. <clears throat> I know for myself, when I look at photos of myself when I was obese, it actually drives me to stay on the path. Like I don't look at them and think, oh my God, I look so bad, you know, all that. And I do look bad in them. There's no no getting away for it. But, you know, what it does is it drives me. And you know yourself, when you're maintaining, there'll be days where you're flicking through photos or all of a sudden Facebook will send you a memory from seven years ago and it smacks you in the face like a freight train. Because you get used to that image. And, and that's something I want to talk to you too in a minute. But mindset plays a huge part in this. I mean, two and a half years, your experience of, of fasting, what part has mindset played for you? I think I would like people to understand right from the beginning that they're never going to have the perfect body. And so getting their mind into that place where when you get to that weight, that goal weight where you're at, be have gratitude for it, be comfortable with it and start right from the beginning to wrapping your head around loving your body because if you don't start doing that, I in my case, you know, I'd got to my goal weight and it was like, but my body's still not how I want it to be because I still had that image in my head of that 82 kg. I mean, I'd been 82 kgs around there for years. So that's that's the image I had in my head. And I couldn't even, as much as I look, it was now I'd look at the photos and go, who is this girl? She looks so skinny. Oh, it must be the fact that the camera was at a different angle. And I couldn't accept. It was the other way around. Um, And so I think people really need to, to work on that because we all have an idea of what we look like in our head, one way or the other, and just meshing the two. Yeah, I think that's incredible. An identity crisis is a thing when, you know, anybody that's lost a lot of weight. And I know for myself, I'd walk down the street and I'd catch a glimpse of myself in a shop mirror or, or a shop window or that sort of thing. And I'd just go, who the hell is that? You know, you'd, you'd look at yourself and you'd go, there's no way that's me. And Or you'd, you'd go into a shop and you'd, I'd pick up a 2XL shirt. And the guy in the shop would say to me, hey, mate, that's way too big for you. You know, you're an L or an XL. You know, no way you're a 2XL. And I'd just go, that'd be crazy. Then I'd go on and put this L shirt on or XL shirt on and fit me like a glove. And I'd just go, no way. And it's just, it's overwhelming at time. And I always say to people, it's like being beamed up by the Star Trek Enterprise. And then you get beamed back down again and you're a totally different person. You walk out in the street, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's grimacing about the weight you're carrying. Nobody's, and you go into a shop and people mm-hmm. actually say, hi, you know, how can I help you instead of running away from you? And have you and, noticed that people treat you differently now you've lost all the weight? Uh, I guess I think I'm more realizing I treat myself differently. Uh, you know, I, I 
because I had the weight on all my life, I never valued myself. I never saw self worth. Um, I, I, you know, I could, no guy's going to be interested in me because I've got all this weight on. I need to lose it first. That kind of belief. And so now I'm at a point where I need to start. Well, I am. I'm. I'm starting to really build my own self-worth because I think that reflects back to how other people treat you. Um, and, and going back to what you just said about walking into a store here in the US, our stores, well, where, where I am in Maryland, our stores still don't um, have the, the changing rooms open. You can't go in and ch- try clothes on. So I had ordered these clothes from the store back in February and I went in and it was a size six. I mean, I was amazed. I was in a size six. And the girl looked at me and she goes, oh, I think these are going to be too big for you. And it's, it's, I just couldn't comprehend. I couldn't match that up. How These are so tiny. How could they be too big for me? Um, so just that feeling of, of look how far I've come. Um, just on that too, I, I will say that moving here to the US where I, I've done the, the weight loss here, um, I made the conscious change to start looking at um, my weight in pounds because I, in, in kilos, I had too much emotional baggage around that. And when I could change to pounds and look at it in pounds, I didn't have that same emotional baggage. It was just data that I could just, and even now it's like, I'll jump on the scales and it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm fine. And it, it, there's no emotional attachment to that. And it's the same with clothing because clothing in New Zealand is a completely different size to clothing here. I mean, when I moved here, I jumped overnight from double digits to one digit. You know, that, that's a great way to lose weight. But now it's it's like I'm actually re- I, I'm looking forward to my next trip home to New Zealand just to see what that what that clothing is going to be like. Look out, farmers. Here comes <laughs> Susan doing a big shop up. We all know Farmers is a great department store in New Zealand, and it was one of my joys as a kid. My mum used to take me to the Farmers Trading Company in Auckland. I don't know if you ever remember the big department store oh, there. Oh, yes, the top, very much The top so. floor, they had that big playground. You could mm-hmm. get all the trolleys out and everything else. It was fantastic. And anyway, the big Santa Claus, Father Christmas on the corner. Yeah, so let's talk about support now, and obviously two and a half years you've been doing this. Let's talk about the support you've received. You mentioned your mother-in-law there. You mentioned your parents, so obviously the family support. Your husband's a fantastic cook, and good on him for doing that for you. So how's it been for your work colleagues and everybody else? Obviously, being in lockdown, you may have been restricted from seeing that many people, but have you found that everyone's been quite supportive, like any pushback? Yeah, I mean, my, my husband doesn't fast. Um, he naturally, like me, isn't a big breakfast or a lunch eater, but he doesn't fast, but even just being around me, um, he's lost, um, let's see, I think he's lost about 15 pounds. Um, he's also had appetite correction. Our our meals have dropped really small, but he's so proud of me and, and what I've come to the point that you know, we're just getting out and about and starting to see people again. And the first thing he'll say is, is isn't she amazing? And then he'll start going on about intermittent fasting and everything I've told him over the years before I even get to open my mouth. Um, so he's been my greatest support. Um, and then I don't think I've ever really had anyone really come at me about um intermittent fasting being bad I mean a lot of that's been protection because of the pandemic but if anyone has I just I'm I love reading up about it I I delve deep into the whys and so I just land them really heavily with all the scientific facts and shut them down and they may go away still not agreeing with me but they haven't got anything to say and hey, it doesn't matter if they don't agree with you. I always end conversations when they're going the wrong way with you do you and I'll do me. And that's it's... the end of the story. And that's what we've got to do. I mean, you know, people always say to me, oh, you know, or some people would say in the early days, oh, that intermittent fasting, that's really bad for you. And I'd say, yeah, well, so is carrying around 360 pounds, mate. Yes, you know, you know yes. I'm going to die if I don't do something. This has got to help me get this weight off. And then 
those same people, funny enough, when I got the weight off and I kept it off, and that's the big thing with weight, and you probably know this too, that when you lose a lot of weight, people will watch you because they're waiting for you to regain that weight because that's what happens 70 or 80%. They always say behind your back, oh, he's going to regain the weight or he's going to put the weight back on. And then when you don't, they start thinking, wow, that intermittent fasting must be really great. And so the negative people at the start are now the positive people that I've been mentoring and helping, and they're going on to help other people like you have been with your in-laws and, and your mum and dad and that sort of thing. So it's really interesting how the full circle works, where at first people may be negative, but then you just let your results do the talking. Like one of the things I say to people when you start intermittent fasting is, don't shout it from the rooftops. Just go about your business and let your results do the talking. And then when you're in a position to start sharing it with people, like you said, you can do it in other ways. You've started a small group. And tell us about your group, by the way. What's the name of it? Yeah, it's Intermittent Fasting, A Healthy Way to a Healthier You. And I, I just put a post up on my personal page um, saying, hey, I've started this group about intermittent fasting. You've seen my journey. If you're interested, join and then um, I'm also involved, I, I'm an administrator in a group of New Zealanders who live in the US, Kia USA Kiwis, and one of the other administrators shared my post in that group, and so between uh, my personal post, I got about 45 people joining, and then on my in the other group, um, I had about 55 people joining, and that was within a 24-hour period, um, so yeah, I just in that group, I just every day, every um, I, I do a little post about something about the science or just motivational post um, just to keep it going in people's social feed to keep, you know, and hoping that even if they're not doing it now, that they will find something that will click with them and get them to. Yeah, I mean, you're a studious person. You, you went to the United States and you went to college, got your degree, that sort of thing. So with the science of intermittent fasting, where do you sort of delve into it there? What, where have you been learning about that? And could you give somebody a recommendation that where they could find some really good science? I really have, I started with Jen's book, as I said, and then I, I went on to the obesity code. And then I went into listening to all the podcasts and most of my research, I've, I've read other books. Um, most of my research has been through all the websites and just listening to podcasts and, and getting more into how do I uh, pass this information on in a way that people can understand without getting too, too scientific about it. Um, because I think if it can't be put in a way people understand, they're never going to take it on board. 100%. Keep it simple. And um, I always say to people when they ask me about the science, I say, look, well, I'm not a scientist for a start. I don't wear a white cat coat and work in a lab. You know, I'm just a guy that lived this journey. I can tell you all about the highs and lows of that, you know, and things that worked for me and what didn't and the people that I mentor and I can pass on that experience. But if you want to learn about the science, and obviously the go-tos are Dr. Jason Fung, the obesity code. Personally, I found it very heavy reading. Um, listening to it on Audible is probably a better way to go if you struggle with the science. You want to read a great paper or a summary of papers, you can go to the New England Journal of Medicine, December 2019, Dr. Mark Matson. He writes a great uh, summation of a number of studies about intermittent fasting all in one place. Mm -hmm. And so you can have a read of that. But any Google uh, search for intermittent fasting science will bring up any in number of papers. So it's not hard to find. And when I talk about science, I always like to think I'm the experiment of one. And, and are you like that too? Do you like to think you're your own experiment? Absolutely. And that's what I keep uh, pressing on people is, is if they're going to do this, they have to, the, the one, number one thing they have to learn, like I've said, of, is listen to your body and then take those lessons and, and what your body's telling you and just keep tweaking it because only you will know what it needs and what you need. Yeah, and we all, we should mention at this point too that we're not doctors or anything like that. We're actual just people are living this journey. I mean, you know, you should always consult your doctor before you commence any health plan. But speaking of doctors, um, have your doctors been on board? Have you done sort of things like blood work and then rechecked it to see where that's up to? I have, and I'm in the unfortunate position where my doctor is not on board. Um, 
didn't even acknowledge any weight loss, uh, refused to talk about intermittent fasting. Um, and so I'm, I am in the hunt for a new doctor. Uh, but it's just, it's just sad that um, someone, you know, that's supposed to be open to to learning. I mean, the biggest with I've had my blood work done every year, and I did have the issue with my cholesterol being higher because of fasting and and what we know that does to your cholesterol. And she, my last um, checkup with her, she wanted to put me on statins. I'm like, I've just lost all of this weight. How can you want to put me on on statins? And she's like, oh, it's just in case you need them. I, I need to find a doctor who will work with me and understand what intermittent fasting does with the body. And unfortunately, there's not a directory out there for those kind of doctors. So it's a painstaking process. Well, there you go. There's your next mission. <laughs> Start yes, up a directory is. for doctors that are... <laughs> I know in Australia here, I'm, I know there is in the keto groups, for instance, there's a list of doctors that are on board. And I know with my own doctor, I remember the first time I lost a lot of weight. I hadn't seen her for a while and I went in there and her jaw nearly dropped on the ground. And she, she, I just had some blood results done and she was looking at them and she was going, oh my God, this is incredible. She said, what's happened here? And she said, what have you been doing? And I said, well, I'm doing this thing called intermittent fasting. And I told her about, you know, Jin's book and all the rest of it and how it works. And then over a period of time, every time I'd go in there, she wasn't interested in why I was there. She just wanted to know about intermittent fasting. Because she'd been learning about it's it, fantastic. And her husband was carrying it away. He he went on to it, and then I met this woman just randomly, just at a coffee meeting one day in one of the groups here in Perth. And um, I said to her, "How did you find out about intermittent fasting?" And she said, "Well, actually, your doctor told me about it, and she recommended that I get your book, The Fasting Highway." And I was just blown away. I couldn't believe it that my doctor was actually recommending not only intermittent fasting but to read my book and. It really made me feel great that, you know, that message had got through to her. She'd gone away. She'd done the research, that sort of thing, and looked into the science and all that. And wouldn't it be great if we had doctors that were more on board right around the world and they all got together? And, you know, and I know in Australia here there are more doctors that are open to intermittent fasting, but we don't often hear it talked about a lot in mainstream media here. And I know I, I don't really talk to people much about it in the United States, but do you hear it a lot in the mainstream media, intermittent fasting, where you live? Uh, not really. It's, you can't really sensationalize it. And that's what r- runs the media here. Uh, you know, unless, it's, unless you can say, you know, maybe your journey, they could, they could spin it into an, something. But it's more like there will be the occasional articles, occasional reports about, about it. But then there's always someone who wants to put it down and they find a reason why. Um, and then I think, you know, if you, it depends on who's reporting on it. Um, if you have some of the more fad jump on board with everything that comes along talking about it, then the really serious people may turn away. Um, so it's just, we just have to keep putting it out there, picking the people off yeah. one by one. <laughs> I agree. It's just educating people one one person at a time. And, and like you said, you've gone from, you know, doing it yourself, next thing everybody around you starting to do it in your family, and then they're telling people about it, and it just becomes perpetual. I mean, I started a Facebook group, The Fasting Highway, um, just myself and my wife. Uh, now we've got over 3,500 people in there in a short period of time, and they go away and they tell people about it. We're all helping each other, and I think it's a fantastic thing doing that. One of the things I wanted to ask you there, you mentioned the scales a minute ago. Uh, is weighing something you do or you're not really interested in weighing? I do. I have my scales there. Um, you know, every I may jump on them every morning or, you know, if a couple of mornings a week. Just And it's more for me just to make sure I'm staying on the right path. Uh, and I'm trying to take that leap to step away from them. I know I don't really need them, but I'm not willing to trust myself that far yet. Yeah, I mean, I weigh every day, but for me, it's just become part of my life. It's just become habit. It's just I wake up, I go to the toilet, you know, I get on the scales and, you know, I look at it and I go, yeah, okay, it's either up, down, whatever, you know, it's okay. 
And um, I always know on a Monday after the weekend, because in maintaining now, and I'll ask you about your maintenance protocol in a sec, but in maintaining, I do 22 and 2 Monday to Friday. So I fast for 22 hours and then I eat in a two-hour period, but usually that's only about 20 or 30 minutes at the most. And then on the weekend, so I do what's called 16 and 8. So I fast for 16 hours and then I eat in an eight-hour period and usually that's two meals a day. So I'll have brunch with my wife and then I'll have dinner in the evenings if I feel like it. But one of the things I missed about, you know, uh, and when I started my intermittent fasting journey was a social aspect. And now in maintaining, I feel I'm able to open things up a bit and enjoy those brunches on the weekends. And, and because it's a lifestyle and you have to make it a sustainable one, I want to talk now about maintaining um, with you, Susan. Just tell us about your maintenance journey since you started maintaining. How's that gone? Do you just, do you just operate in a range or how do you work it? Yeah, I've always just, I didn't like to be tied to an app, so I've never worried about having something that I had to turn on and off to know when I was fasting. Um, So it just became when I finished work, my window opened, I would have something to eat, eat and then I would wait until dinner. And once dinner was done, it could be, you know, a three hour window, four hour window. I would just, I would just close my window and I'd be done. And I've pretty much kept that going because work, you know, that alertness, that, that, being able to keep going throughout the day um, keeps my window where it is on during the work days. Uh, I can, you know, there are occasions where I can be a little bit more lax on the weekends, but um, especially with a pandemic and being locked in at home, there's no need to have, we're not having those social occasions. So I didn't feel the need to, to open my window any earlier um, than, than I had been. So I allowed myself to relax um on the odd occasion from the beginning but I always knew that I always just kept in my head how I felt afterwards and I was like oh I'm not going to do that for another month um and so that's that's kept me going and I know this is for life this is I I'm not giving this up for anything when did you get to that period Susan when did you get to that point where you thought this intermittent fasting is me I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. When did, when did you actually get to that point? I, I Actually, right from the beginning, I just knew. I, when something clicks, I, I just knew this was it. Now, what I didn't know then was that I would, wouldn't change my window, that I, would, I thought maybe I'd, when I got to maintenance, I would start introducing lunch. And it, it just, that hasn't happened. Um, I just keep going. And uh, I... I always saw that as something maybe I could start having lunch with my friends again and enjoying that occasion, and I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I personally think maintenance is a totally different mindset to losing the weight because once you get to that sort of goal sort of weight or what I like to call a goal range, I think people really you know, need to sort of think about, well, how am I going to make this sustainable for the rest of my life? How am I going to live with this forever? Because Absolutely. when you say you when you say you're going to do something forever, that's a big call. I mean, forever mm-hmm. is a long can be a long time. I mean, we could be doing this for the next 20, 30 years. And you've got to think about, well, how am I going to make this sustainable? You mentioned there if you, you you skirt around things, if you have an event, you change your window up, you have some flexibility, and you mm-hmm. talked about it before, give yourself grace. And I see people beat themselves up all the time on Mondays, every Monday in groups around the traps. They'll go, oh, my God, I went to this party and I, you know, I ate four sausage rolls and I had a couple of bits of pizzas and now my weight's up three pounds. And it's like, you know, the sky's falling in and say, hey, well, you can't really put on three pounds of fat overnight, you yeah. know. And, and, and what did that, you know, how did you feel the next day? Wasn't, was that a lesson that you've been able to take on for to get you through the next few weeks or months or whatever and and it will happen again and that's okay but just keep going yeah and i think it's important too to not do what i call revenge fasting and that's come to monday and go i'm going to punish myself now i'm going to do a 45 hour fast i'm going to do a 48 hour fast because i indulged on the weekend don't do that just give yourself grace go right back to your normal fasting protocol and away you go and over time things will work out but exercise is something I wanted to talk to you about too, Susan. Is exercise part of your raging? Not. I used to be a, back home in New Zealand. I used to do a few half marathons, but 
I haven't really got into it here. Um, I knew, my, especially like I've said, over the last year, I was dealing with a lot of stress and I wanted to, I didn't want to add more to it. And so I'm at that point now. I, I do, I like to walk. I'll go out and take breaks during the day by going out and getting out and going for a 15, 20 minute walk a couple of times during the day. Um, but as far as actual um, exercise and resistance training and, and strength training, I want to move there. That's where I'm heading next. But I'm allowing my body to dictate when that will happen and, and getting into the right mindset to be able to start a program that I will keep to. Yeah, I think that's a great way to go. And just, you know, when you're ready, you're ready, aren't you? And, you know, you're doing what's working for you and, you know, traveling along the way you, you are. But we're going to wrap up in a moment. But before we go, one of the things I want to get from you is your experience just somebody rings you on the phone or they talk to you at work and they say, hey, Susan, how am I going to start this? What, how am I going to get into it? What am I going to do to get going with this intermittent fasting thing? I would say at first, uh, make one change at a time. You start fasting, that's all you need to do. Concentrate on that. If you open your window and you completely just grab whatever's at hand and because you're so hungry, it's okay, you know, let yourself go as far as be aware of it, take note of it, but move on and know that your body will adjust three weeks, six weeks, whatever it takes, and you will start going towards naturally the, the right foods for you, the right changes that you need, but try not to do everything all at the same time. And I also like what you said about um, not revenge fasting, but also not feeling like the longer fast keep, you know, you, if I can do 20 hours, I must be able to do 40 hours. And if I can do 40 hours, I must be able to do 60. It doesn't, you don't need to do that. Just keep it consistent and a little changes and just keep getting better all the time. And then, like I said earlier, with just the mindset, work on the mindset right from the beginning because otherwise you could get to the end and still be striving for something that you're never going to achieve. It's not that you're not, just, it's more about having gratitude for what you have got. And over time it will happen or changes will keep happening. But just because you've got to your goal weight doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. And so on that same note, be, you know, don't wait till you get to your goal weight before you do everything start now if you're putting something off do it now exactly why not why wait till tomorrow and as i wrote in my book procrastination is obese people's biggest enemies mm -hmm. because we always used to say i'm going to start next monday i'm going to start january the first i'm going to start after i have my week with my family at christmas you know mm -hmm. if you're going to do this start just start just just do it just skip breakfast tomorrow and start with the 16 and 8, start slow, keep it simple. One of the biggest things I like to stress to people in person and on this podcast and through my book was to keep it simple because I feel sometimes intermittent fasting can be overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. And I know when I first came to it, you know, nearly four years ago now, then it was pretty simple in those days. Like it was basically OMAD, that was about it. And now we've got all these wonderful different connotations you know tasteless tuesday you know windowless wednesday foodless fridays and it's just like people that are newcomers must come in there and just go what what's what's going on what are these things instead of just saying look just skip breakfast to start do a 16 and 8 mm -hmm. build up that fasting muscle and don't start these longer fast until you're at least three to six months experience because it takes a while to get fat adapted as we know and one of the things I didn't ask you about is appetite correction. So just explain that for people and how that may have affected you. Yeah, that's just where your your body is still at the beginning is still trying to find all its nutrients and what you eat because that's the only way it's known to get them. And so when you turn that off and you say, no, you're not getting any more, it scrambles because it doesn't know what to do. And so this the appetite correction the, the first, you've got to let your, your body make that metabolic switch to start finding your fat stores and using them. And then over time, as it does that, it finds what it needs within what you already have. And so it needs less and less for you to, to for food that you need to eat. 
in order to uh, be able to get through them, create the same energy throughout the day. Yeah, I think it's frightening when I think about it. Like if I think about the amount of food that I used to eat, right? I mean, I always say to people, I do, I, I did 16 and 8 in reverse. I mean, I was eight hours fasting when I was asleep, and then I was 16 hours of eating. <laughs> I had it around the wrong way. And that's why I was as obese as I was, because when I was awake, I was grazing the whole day, constantly. And now, you know, I, I sort of don't even think about fasting anymore. And as an experienced faster, do you find that too, that you wake up in the morning, you don't even think about it? It's just a natural thing you do now. Oh, Absolutely. I, I think about food in the morning and it's like, even this morning, I was like, oh, I, no, I just couldn't, I couldn't even fathom eating something right now. Or even like last night, I was like, mm, I, I'm, I'm feeling a bit peckish. I think I'm going to, and, but I want something sweet. And I went to grab, as, as a New Zealander, you'll understand, Whitaker's chocolate. My friend had sent me some at the stores, and I went to grab a piece, and I took a piece, and I was like, "That's not it," and I put it away, because it it's all part of that. Like, what do you actually want? Yeah, exactly. I admire your willpower for not eating the Whitaker's chocolate. By the way, <laughs> that's that's a big call. It's a bit like saying no to an L and P on a hot day. Lemon and Borrow is a fam famous drink in New Zealand. Yeah. But that's like like my baking. I've got to learn to to realize it's always going to be there. I don't need to eat it all. I can have one piece and put it away because it will be there tomorrow if I want another piece. I don't. You know, I think more of my past was more of fear of missing out on something rather than the need or the want to eat it. So it's just questioning: Do I actually really want it, or can I just pass it by? Yeah, that's true. And I always find you you don't miss what you don't actually have. And it's like me with fast food. Obviously, you've read about me being a fast food addict and all that. I was living my life in a drive-thru and, you know, three, four times a day going through different drive-thrus on the way to work or wherever I was. And now I haven't been in a fast food outlet or a fast food drive-thru for over three and a half years. Wow. And um, I just drive down the street now. I don't even look at them. Mm -hmm. like they're, they're just, I just see them and I just, I don't even think about it. And I know when I was obese and I had that issue of being a fast food addict, it was almost like my car was on autopilot and was programmed to drive through into the drive through. My steering wheel, I'd, I'd be saying, no, 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 no. And my car would be going, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. And it'd be steering straight into the drive through. And before I knew it, I was at the order board ordering food. It was really weird. And now I just drive down the street. I don't actually see them. Occasionally, I'll walk past like a bakery or somewhere like that. You know what it's like when you, you those smells that come out, mm -hmm. and you'll just go wow. But and if I'm ever in a bakery to buy some bread or something like that, I look in the the counter with all the cakes and everything else. And and now all I visualise is a big pile of sugar. I don't actually see the cakes and and that anymore. I just look at it as sugar, and it just turns me off even thinking about buying them. And and I think that's the whole rewire of our mind, isn't it, about mm -hmm. food? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing that's been sitting in my head for the last week has been greens. I, I just I keep saying to my husband, I need more greens. I, a bowl of broccoli with, with lemon on it. Anyway, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to talk to you today. I found this so inspiring. I think you're going to inspire so many other people. And I really appreciate you giving us the time. And as a Kiwi uh, living near in America, my warmest regards to everybody there in Maryland. Maryland, it's been affected by the pandemic and my regards to your parents that are in lockdown in New Zealand at the moment as well and um, thank you for joining me here on the Fasting Highway. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Graham. Oh, thanks so much, Susan. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you, Susan. Thoroughly enjoyed that chat with you and I found it very inspiring. And thank you too for sharing your journey about moving from New Zealand to America, a huge step in your life. And you've achieved so much in six years, like a new job, degree, and meeting the love of your life and everything else, and just loving who you are. And as you said, sparkling with possibilities. And I absolutely love that. And I'm going to steal it. So thanks very much for that, Susan. I really, really love that you shared your story with us. 
Uh, also, folks, just a reminder again, you can join the Fasting Highway Facebook group if you're looking for a bit of extra support. You need some help. We have some great moderators. Uh, there's people from all over the world. Um, we have some near 4,000 members there now, so there's always somebody about to answer a question. Uh, also, just again, uh, if you do, are interested in my story, uh, you can get my book on Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. But until next week, be well, be safe, and remember... Clean fasting is everlasting.